time again. It's time for Comic Book Storylines. I'm Brian Sorensen. You also know me as Brian the Comic Book Guy. You can hit me up on Instagram at Brian the Comic Book Guy. Or if you have any questions about what we're talking about or anything we've talked about in past episodes, you can email me, Brian the Comic Book Guy at gmail.com. So we're going to get into part five of House of M. Here's some interesting issues uh, to go through. We're also going to see the last of Fantastic Four House of M, Iron Man House of M, and we're going to be introduced to a couple of different characters, and we're also going to wrap up maybe uh, a whole story here, and also a couple of one-shots, maybe one one-shot, time allowed, maybe two. So the first issue is going to be that first one-shot that we only see one time in the House of M, and that's going to be Black Panther number seven. So in the House of M, we know that mutants rule, and in the main continuity, at the time, Storm and Black Panther were married. So in this one, they are still kind of married. Um, it's not the happy marriage that uh, uh, we know and love and everything, but uh, Aurora is in charge, Storm is in charge, and not Black Panther. Like They kind of have this thing going on where Black Panther still has his powers and everything, and he's kind of like the face of the nation. But we all know that uh, Storm is in control. And we see right away, Quicksilver comes and brings her a present and everything, we see that Quicksilver is kind of infatuated with her. He's in love with her. In fact, he pretty much tells her within the first couple of pages. And he kind of gets really mad at this. Now, this kind of mirrors the Age of Apocalypse. In the Age of Apocalypse, Storm and Quicksilver had a relationship. So it was kind of a little nod to that one. And uh, we see that uh, Magneto is not really happy with uh, the continent of Africa. He's kind of let everything slide. Uh, especially with Black Panther because of his relationship with uh, Storm. But uh, Quicksilver is also mad because Storm is not taking to his advances, and Magneto's pretty much having a heart-to-heart -heart going, dude, you know, what did I tell you? She's not going to go for it. And uh, he sees that uh, Storm is doing an interview with uh, Allison, uh, it's, uh, Dazzler, basically, and uh, she's uh, doing an interview about how things used to be in Africa and how things are now with mutant rule and everything. And she's making up some kind of serious points about uh, how Black Panther uh, has uh, done some good. And then we see in Wakanda, uh, she's on a holographic call with him. And uh, you see that their marriage isn't really that well. He, he has a lot of mistresses and she knows about him. And uh, we see that Magneto has sent an assassin. A very familiar savage mutant named Sabretooth. And Black Panther quickly shoots him, because Black Panther has all those senses and everything, and he's pretty agile. Uh, most of this issue is uh, Sabretooth fighting Black Panther, and Black Panther actually wins uh, towards the end. And uh, to let Magneto know, actually he, he cuts his head off, pretty savage for Black Panther, but in the House of M, there's a lot of savage stuff going on. So to let... Magneto and Quicksilver know that uh, the assassination didn't work. He sends the head of Sabretooth back to uh, uh, Magneto in the House of M. And then we see that there's a Council of the Kings in Africa. We see Namor the Submariner, Doom is there, and lots of other uh, people that are there. And Black Panther has this secret alliance that uh, it's the human kings and everything. And Magneto wants to deal with these guys once and for all. So then we go to Cairo, Egypt, where we see a very familiar mutant, but he's a lackey of Magneto. It's Apocalypse. He let Apocalypse rule Egypt, because he's a mutant and everything, and he sends Apocalypse after Black Panther and Storm. Uh, he uh, figures, take them both out at the same time. 
But uh, Apocalypse's ship is intercepted by Storm. She throws a tornado at him, which dumps him into the sea. And then Namor takes a few shots at him, and uh, he ends up coming towards Black Panther's palace. And uh, he goes into the palace, but he's uh, not alone. Now, the inhuman king, Black Bolt, is one of Wakanda's allies, and he ends up opening his mouth because Black Panther's powers are, he opens, or Black Bolt's powers are, he opens his mouth and he speaks and it can, like, kill anything that's nearby. So he ends up killing Apocalypse, and all the other kings around are uh, coming around, and Namor comes back and everybody comes together, and uh, the final page is Magneto saying to Pedro, what are you smiling about, and if you say I told you so... And Quicksilver says, I'm not going to say a word. So you see that uh, Petro was trying to say, hey, don't send Apocalypse after him because they are going to kick his tail. So we get to New X-Men Academy number 17. In the last issue, the Hellions uh, have given a, an assignment to tracking down a human terrorist, a hidden base in Tokyo. Uh, we see that uh, one of the people, Lori Garrison, reports uh, to her father, who is the leader of the underground and works for this facility. And uh, they're both uncovered to be spies for S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, when another mutant catches on to Lori's secret, and she uses uh, her mutant pheromone power to force him to kill himself. So this is after that. Um, one of these new Hellions is Magic, uh, Ileana Rasputin. She has these teleporting discs that she can get everybody to secret places or wherever she wants to go. And you see that she's kind of having like a... Uh, in the comics, uh, she has this uh, blade and uh, she's got like this demon persona. You can see some of this coming out because she really doesn't seem to care too much about her teammates. And uh, we see that uh, they're infiltrating Tokyo and they're trying to find all of the spies all at one time. And there's a lot of different characters that we're not too familiar with. Like I said... In previous episodes, in the House of M, there's a lot of things going on, and there was a lot of tie-ins. And since she warped reality in the one of the first issues, they had to kind of just like warp everything around it. So normally, what would go on in the new X-Men Academy is that they were kids being trained by the X-Men on how to be like the next generation class. So this kind of shows some new characters, some of the older characters, and some we haven't really seen. So if you're a normal, if you're not a normal follower of the X-Men or anything, you wouldn't really know who all these characters are. So trying to go into to detail about it as far as what it has to do with the main storyline. There's not a lot that has to tie in with the main storyline other than just what's going on in the uh, uh, kid X-Men uh, warped reality world. And uh, not, a, not a whole lot ties into the main series with this one other than we get to see that Sunfire, uh, one of the uh, X new X-Men from the 70s run, is the uh, leader of the Tokyo government since he's a mutant. He's in charge of the Tokyo government. Uh, uh, realm of mutants and uh yeah that's pretty much all that happened in that one it's just uh, them trying to infiltrate tokyo and we get introduced that uh, sunfire's kid is one of the the hellions and everything and it's uh it's an interesting read but as far as tie-ins go it, it's kind of loosely involved so then we get to one of my personal favorites of this one fantastic four house of m now we get uh, a little bit of action in this one because in the last issue doom and his uh, fearsome four took magneto and quicksilver into that new realm that they found and doom right away turns on him we got it grabbing him and holding magneto and we see uh, the invincible woman holding down uh, pietro and magneto tries to use his powers but doom 
has kind of scouted this realm and things work differently there and his sorcery is like becomes what magneto's powers are in the regular world so uh he knocks them both unconscious quicksilver and magneto and they come back to through the portal and they tell the technicians to close it and uh he actually ends up killing some of the technicians because they're kind of loyal to magneto so he gets rid of them before they can sound any alarms or anything but the it is kind of annoyed because uh, Doom said to go back to your cell. He's like, no more cells, no more cages. I'm part of this team. I want respect. So he let him be free and roam around. We see that it is looking at the controls, and he's not really as dumb as he kind of looks. But the other members, Kristoff uh, and uh, his wife, uh, Doom's wife, go back uh, into Magneto's palace and... Doom sits on the throne of Magneto, and he's kind of pondering what goes on. Valeria and Kristoff, uh, they come running in, and they're like, you know, we can't find uh, Polaris, because Polaris didn't go through the portal with the two of them. So they're like, okay, where'd she go? We have to take her out if we're going to have legitimate rule. So then it comes in with Polaris and goes, I found her, and she brought back the others. And you see Magneto and Quicksilver really, really ticked off. So the Fearsome Four goes quickly into battle against Quicksilver and uh, Magneto. They're not really doing a good job. And, and they've got Polaris on her side too. But then they got a bunch of mutants that are helping her too. So these guys are really, really overwhelmed. Kristoff is very well overwhelmed. And Doom sees a shot because Magneto kind of got crushed during the battle and he's got a shot to kill Magneto. He takes, uh, like, he forms, his his body becomes, we see that it's malleable like Reed Richards in this world. So he gets, like, an axe arm, and he gets ready to kill Magneto, but Magneto was feigning it, and he uh, freezes Doom into position. Uh, all of the other members are trapped, and uh, he keeps Doom's mom for ransom. He's like, okay, maybe I should kill her to get you to listen. And uh, she lets, uh, she gets out of the uh, arms of the guards, and she goes, no, my boy is a traitor, uh, he's a monster. So Doom sees that he's shocked because in any realm, Dr. Doom, like, he really cares for his mother above anything else. She leaves and just leaves him in dis distress, so he's kind of, oh my god, what happened? My mom's gone. So Magneto kind of holds him into this shape, malleable shape, but it's not like a regular, like the, the rubber form that uh, Reed Richards has. Doom's shape is more metal, and Magneto pulls him and stretches him as far as he can to kind of break him. And Doom's like, kill me now, kill me now. And he goes, no, I have, I have more of a job for you. And the Quicksilver and Polaris are like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I broke him. He's going to know what happened. He's going to ponder what he did. He's going to go back to Latveria, and he's going to rule over everybody in Latveria. We don't have to worry about him because he tried, he played his card, and he failed. So he's going to be like that for the rest of his life. And then we see towards the end, we see it kind of woke up from uh, the battle, and uh, there's a human resistance that picks him up, and they take him to their underground. And this one lady uh, takes him underground. He goes, it's pitch black, I can't see in here. She goes, don't worry, my name's Alicia, and you're in good hands. So that's the House of M version of Alicia Masters. So you kind of Oh, okay, so Ben Grimm did find Alicia Masters in this room. So we go to the last issue of Iron Man House of M. We picked up where uh, Tony and Johnny Storm were holding Hank Pym high above the city, and Hank had said that he has all this, these bombs that are going to go off. He made this mutant genetic bomb that will end up killing mutants. And Tony's like, no, we can't do that. You're going to kill four million people. He goes, I'm saving the world. 
and uh, Tony says that he's got a he's going to help figure out who these guys are. So he ends up breaking into Pym's mainframe and finds where the bombs are, and uh, they're all over the city. So he goes to Forge, Hank McCoy, tells him what's going on. You can believe me, you can't believe me. And he, think about this, he still hasn't told everybody he's Iron Man. So he's Tony Stark saying, I'm sending Iron Man to help with these bombs. You guys need to rally the House of M and let them know, get the bomb crews out, and we got to find them. Here's the corners for all the bombs. So Johnny Storm and uh, Tony, most of this issue is them clearing the bombs. And then uh, he gets uh, help because... He activates his vision protocol, but he put his vision protocols into a bunch of different Iron Man armor suits, so he's um, going against that. But uh, you see that the House of M has sent some uh, robotic infantry too, uh, but they're kind of going a little off course because they're attacking Iron Man and Johnny Storm, who are humans, and that's their main protocol. But the House of M is having trouble taking them offline. Uh, Hank Pym uh, is saying that... Uh, you know, there's nothing you can stop them. And Hank McCoy is like, you know, they're trying to shut him down. You're going to have to do something. And then we see that the code that overwrote the House of M guys, it wasn't a House of M code. It was a Howard Stark code. And he's, Howard Stark sent them to uh, distract Tony. So uh, Tony and Howard have kind of like a moment. One of those vision bots holds Tony above. And uh, he's telling him, you know what? I, I You chose your path. You could have been with me. And uh, Tony's like, you aligned yourself with Pym. Which he did. It's revealed that Howard and Pym were both trying to uh, stop that. But you see that uh, Howard in the last minute, he couldn't hurt his son. So he kind of gives him the means to escape. His armor ends up breaking apart the uh, guys that are holding him, and uh, Howard flies away. But uh, we see that the House of M guys are released, and uh, they're helping Iron Man and Johnny Storm. But uh, the Vision bots are attacking them, because uh, Howard didn't overwrite all of them, and he flew away. So basically, all the humans and mutants are seeing all these armored battles fighting, but uh, they've, they've got to take all the bombs out. And he's saying, you know what, the, there's one last cluster. It's at the UN. We need to take this down and one of the vision bots opens up and ends up being howard and he goes you know we were never going to kill four million people just one this is what i raised you for tony and he launches himself uh into uh getting ready to launch himself into space but before that magneto comes down and he's getting ready to uh kill iron man but instead of tony's armor he goes to howard's armor and crushes howard in his armor and you see that the timer is going off right before you know all these bombs are getting ready to go off and magneto looks at iron man who's holding the last bomb and he goes uh, you're you're trying to be the the man your father wanted you to be so kill me but every sapien on the planet will pay the price so tony ends up blowing up the bomb to make the peace and uh, he uses the Iron Man armor for the rest of the issue to help clean up and save the people that were hurt during the battle. And that's kind of how the, the Iron Man issues end. Before we get to our next title, we're going to take a brief pause for a commercial. And when we come back, we're going to dive into the next part of the House of M. We'll be back. And we're back. So let me get to the next one. Now, this title, if you're not familiar with the Exiles. It's a bunch of different reality-hopping mutants from different realities. Uh, Blink and Sabretooth, uh, if you remember from the uh, Age of Apocalypse, they're part of this. Uh, you've got the character Mimic, who was a long-ago X-Men bad guy. Uh, we see Morph, and then uh, there's a guy from 
the main continuity, which if you're not too familiar, the main continuity, if you saw Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, they did name the the Earths right in the reality. Now, the main continuity for all Marvel comics is Earth 616, and all the other ones have different numbers designated. Now, the Exiles hop around from different realities trying to fix things before that reality is uh, destroyed. So that's kind of like their thing. They go and like they help mutants and they save mutants. Well, there's this one character from the X-Men continuity called Beak who was helping the Exiles for a while. But then they said, you know what? You helped us out. We're going to send you back to your reality. So the most of the issue is the, kind of like a recap of Beak's origin and everything. They're trying to get him back to Earth-616, but they're having trouble. Like, they're teleporting things are having trouble, obviously because we know that uh, Wanda has messed with things. Now, we've seen in the... Uh, the Uncanny X-Men titles with Captain Britain and Psylocke and everything, and we'll get to that issue shortly, the next issue shortly. Wanda doesn't want anybody in that reality. She doesn't want anybody to know what she did, but she can't control everything because obviously her powers do have some limits and she can't control everything anywhere on Earth. So the Exiles end up landing on Earth 616, or they thought, and something's really wrong because they normally don't get like sick when they teleport, but because of all the things Wanda's doing, they end up kind of like losing it, and they wake up in the middle of Central Park. And uh, from the uh, Pulse issue where Hawkeye had the uh, seen the Sentinel head, they wake up and they see that there's mutants everywhere. And they're like, this isn't Earth-616. And she's like, and their main contact back at their headquarters is like, yeah, you're, you're on Earth-616. And they're looking at newspapers seeing House of M. What is all of this stuff? And then they start seeing sentinels fly around and they get ready to attack because obviously they, they know that sentinels are the bad guys. But in the House of M... They're the good guys patrolling for the heat, uh, for the mutants against the humans. So they're like, okay, we really need to get up what's going on here. But Beak is there to reunite with her, his wife and kids. And his wife is Angel. So if you remember seeing uh, X-Men First Class, the character Angel, the girl Angel, that's who he's married to. And he's got to get back to her. And then he sees this big billboard for angel and he's like why is she up on that billboard we got to go see her so she's a she's a model now uh, did she have to uh, do that to feed the kids what's going on so they all go to the club where she's at they're not really letting him in and he finally gets in but she doesn't recognize him he he gets up to her and he's like hey don't you recognize me but while all that's going on we see like this little mutant uh, trying to uh, talk to Angel after this encounter. And he's like, uh, are you Mutant X? Now, we know Mutant X is Proteus in the main continuity, but it turns out that Mutant X is Proteus in this reality, and he hops into the body of her bodyguard, Warp's reality, and uh, she goes home. Beak meets up with her again, and he's trying to tell her. He goes, Angel, what are you doing? Who's watching the kids? And she gets mad at him, like... Uh, do you, why would you think I would be with somebody like you? And he's really distraught because he's like, you're my wife. What are you doing? And this issue ends with her going up to her room and her bodyguard, who has been possessed by Proteus, walks in and goes, uh, you know, uh, you're going to be in some trouble now. I need you. Uh, your bodyguard, he knew it. 
He loved you like a sister, but uh, he's gone now, and in a minute, you will be too. So we see that Proteus, at the end, possesses Angel, and Beak is really mad. He's trying to get back up to her penthouse, and she sees them and all the exiles on the, the street level, and she goes, huh, what do we have here? And, uh, you know, she looks down, and she's like, okay, I... I guess they're next. We'll conclude that in another time, because that'll be in one of the next episodes. We get to Incredible Hulk 86. Now, this has been quite an adventure with the Hulk. You know, uh, uh, humans from all over the world are fleeing to Australia. Uh, but after uh, a young woman at the docks is saved from AIM soldiers, she learns that the uh, her boyfriend has just been kidnapped by AIM. Uh, Scorpion and Bruce Banner investigate they discover an underground complex with cybernetic soldiers being built. Uh, Bruce loses control and the Hulk takes over, uh, but there's also a lot of weird experiments going on. So these guys, uh, uh, we see that uh, there's a lot of experiments going on. And we pick up where we left off, where Hulk is in the middle of this base as the Hulk. And uh, the, the girl and guy that she, he's with trying to bust this up, the AIM agents, uh, they're about ready to attack, but Hulk loses consciousness. And we see that uh, he's asleep. And uh, the lady that he's with, she's got her mom in her ear, who's the, the AIM agent, the, the double agent. And apparently she gave uh, Bruce a hypnotic suggestion that she just had to say a word, and it knocked Bruce unconscious. But Bruce was the Hulk, so you're like, okay, uh, is this going to happen? So Bruce is unconscious. The girls have no method of fighting against the cyborgs. Hulk is unconscious. But she does try. She starts fighting them, and she's quickly overwhelmed because there's about 15 cyborgs around them. But the one thing standing in the way was Bruce Banner's body. So they're all ordered to blow up Bruce's body. So they all take aim, fire. But we all have seen this before in Hulk comics and in the movies and stuff. Uh, you try and uh, kill Bruce Banner, Hulk wakes up. That's pretty much what happens. They all fire on Bruce's body. All of a sudden, Hulk stands up. Boo. Uh, now, what was I saying? That old phrase, Hulk smash. So he busts through the whole complex, just taking out all these guards and everything. And uh, the, the, the lady he's with, uh, she's like, okay, so you're awake now. we got to get to my mom because she's the one that planted that suggestion into Bruce's head. Now, just as they're getting ready to go take that out, this giant cyborg that's probably about 10 stories tall comes out of the building and Hulk's like, okay, so uh, I guess I'm fighting this guy. So since this is an underground complex, Hulk brings it up to the streets of Australia. They're fighting in the streets of Australia when it was supposed to be like a whole secret thing. And uh, there he's fighting this big cyborg. The cyborg thinks that he's winning. But Hulk, this is interesting, he starts taking bits of the uh, uh, the symphony house, the... Uh, the uh, Australian uh, monuments he takes the roof off of the place and throws it at him and uh, just takes the whole thing the Sydney Opera House he takes a whole chunk of it off and throws it at him kills kills the giant and they're like why did you take why did you destroy the Sydney Opera House after you took the roof off and killed the guy he goes uh, I, I can't stand opera so it was kind of like a joke on the Hulk so after all this happens uh, Hulk is, or Bruce Banner is now the guy in charge in Australia, and uh, he's got his people around, and he's kind of giving orders, and he tells everybody to leave, but uh, the the girl's mom, and she's uh, he's like Monica, I want to uh, 
uh, help get the cyborgs rejuvenated back to humanity. You need to get them back to being human because they need to be human, not not cyborgs. And she's like, okay, fine, I guess I'll do it. He goes, if you don't, I'm going to turn back into the Hulk and do something about it. So everybody leaves, and a hologram of Magneto comes. And uh, he's like, uh, what are you doing here? Why is your hollow projection here? He goes, I don't need to aggravate you. He goes, uh, put Exodus Pyro and the mutant leaders uh, back in their place. They learn their lesson. And I will let the Aborigines live in peace and let you live in peace. And he goes, you know what? I, I like being in charge. And I still have things I want to accomplish. Stay away from me. Stay out of Australia. Uh, this is going to be a world where mutants aren't in charge. And Magneto looks at him and goes, what an interesting world that would be. So he knows not to screw with Hulk, and he kind of leaves Hulk alone. And we get to the reality warped even further, Uncanny X-Men 464. Now, we left off uh, where Psylocke and Marvel Girl uh, find this young fugitive who kind of looks like Nightcrawler, but her name is Nocturne. And uh, they have to fight their way out of the House of M version of Marauders. And uh, one of them is uh, Caliban, a warped version of Caliban. If you're an X-Men fan, you've seen versions of Caliban. A a huge mutated version of Toad and Black Tom Cassidy. They're all trying to get through Rachel and Psylocke and Nocturne. And uh, they're they're having a big fight. And... uh, they end up losing the Marauders because Captain Britain comes in. He goes, uh, you guys need to leave him alone. And they're like, no, this is, comes from the House of M. Now, remember, uh, Brian Braddock, who's Captain Britain, he's kind of having these like flashbacks of what the normal reality is because Wanda's powers are kind of taken over him. And since Captain Britain in the House of M is kind of like England's monarch, he keeps going back and forth with he's the ruler of Britain, he's Captain Britain with Psylocke, and uh, he is having some issues keeping track of who is what, but he ends up getting the Marauders off of Rachel and Psylocke's tail. So they fly far enough away from all of the, the action in the Marauders where uh, they need to talk to Nocturne and uh, kind of figure out how to get back to the real reality. They don't really understand at this point still that it's their reality just really warps, be- and they still don't know that Wanda was the one that did it. And most of the rest of the issue is them uh, going around England, uh, Betsy going to places uh, that she grew up in, that's sort of proving that it is where they grew up, just kind of warped a little bit, because Psylocke takes Rachel all over uh, Britain and other parts of uh, the British Isles, and she's finding all these places that she grew up with as a kid and finding uh, things that suggest, yeah, this is the real reality. And uh, she just suddenly has this moment where her House of M costume that they, when they teleported, they all had different costumes. Uh, Her costume starts warping to uh, her old X-Men costume. Like, okay, what's going on here? So while that's going on, uh, Brian Braddock is back home at his mansion. And he opens a curtain and there's a bunch of sentinels around Braddock Manor. And it's a prime sentinel. Well, in the House of M, it's called an Omega Sentinel, uh, Karima Shapander. And in the name of Lord Magneto, I'm placing you all under arrest for treason. And uh, we see that uh, Psylocke and Rachel, they're unable to help because uh, they're starting to lose their um, connection to uh, 
being able to be themselves instead of what Wanda's version ended up being. And they're having trouble trying to keep on being who they were so they know who they were to try and think things through and get back to the way things were. And we see that the Marauders brought a little bit more help, and one of them's actually Banshee uh, from the main continuity. Banshee is one of the bad guys in this. And we see that Nocturne uh, knocks out Banshee. Uh, she tries to wake up Rachel, and she sees that Rachel and Psylocke are having some issues. So she tries to stop uh, the Marauders from killing them, uh, but she ends up knocking them all unconscious. Psylocke wakes up in Braddock Manor. Uh, somehow she got teleported, and she sees that her brother is getting ready to encounter these uh, uh, mutants, uh, the, uh, the Sentinels, and she blows through all of the Sentinels, and the, the Omega Mutant, or the Omega Sentinel, picks up a bunch of armor from the rest of them. Okay, so if you're gonna play that this way, you guys are gonna die. So she picks up uh, parts from all the Sentinels that were damaged, puts them all around her so she has this big bunch of body armor and everything, and she goes, I hereby sentence you and your family to death. So that's pretty serious. There's, there's a lot of weird things going on, as I've said. Now, it is kind of confusing if you don't follow all of the titles, and I've tried to kind of uh, be uh, as detailed as possible with the ones that connect more to the main event and the ones that are loosely connected those are the ones that I don't really go into detail because it would get really confusing and convoluted if I was able to explain everything because then this would end up being a 12-part series instead of maybe a seven-part series? I'm kind of hoping about that. But there is still more to come from the House of M. Next week, we're going to dive more into the issues. And then we get to some of the uh, main storyline issues where they're getting ready to fix everything and get everything. There's a rally to get things back the way they are. And if I don't get to it in the next episode, the following episode, we're going to cover it. It's going to be the one that Wanda utters a phrase that changes the X-Men's lives forever. And it happens during House of Them. And for years to come in the X-Men storylines, it has ripples. Not just like minor ripples. I'm talking about huge lasting effects that happen from the House of M that they couldn't undo because Wanda's powers are that intense in the comics. So that will pick up next week and the week after, as far as this week. Thanks for listening.